Welcome to the Marketers That Matter Visionaries Podcast, hosted by Nadine Dietz, the GM of Marketers That Matter and EVP of 24-7. The marketing landscape is constantly changing, but we believe that when marketers at the forefront come together to share insights, you can confidently lead yourself, your teams, and the industry into the unknown. The future is here, and it's moving fast. So let's bring on the visionaries from today's top brands pioneering the future and get this conversation started. Welcome everyone to Visionaries. It is great to have you back for those of you who are returning. And for those of you who this is your first Visionaries episode, welcome. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, so today we have two incredible guests. We have the CMO of GoFundMe, Musa Tarek, and also the head of marketing for Nextdoor, Mariam Banakaram. And these two beloved leaders are from two beloved brands, and we're here to talk about the future of community. I would like to thank our partner, The Wall Street Journal, and also our parent company, 24-7, for making this new show a reality. For those of you who don't know 24-7 or Marketers That Matter, Marketers That Matter is a community of marketers who come together to support one another, sharing best practices and great tips. 24-7 is a talent company who helps build out great teams with marketers and creatives. Okay, so are you ready to roll? I am. Let's bring on, please, Mariam and Musa. Here comes Mariam. Mariam, you are on first. Musa, you're on second, so I'm going to ask you first. Mariam, please take a moment, introduce yourself. Let us know a little bit about your career journey, your role today, and what your teams look like. So first of all, Nadine, thank you so much for having us. And Musa, always lovely to see you. Uh, I am the head of marketing at Nextdoor, and what that means is that I oversee marketing, community, and global. Nextdoor is in actually 11 countries, so I oversee the 10 countries outside of the U.S., including marketing as we would describe it, and then um, community because we have a community of volunteers who help us moderate the platform. So that is my role today. This is my fifth CMO job. I say I'm a serial CMO. That's apparently a thing. And um, my other joke is that I'm a millennial before my time because I've had maybe 30 jobs at this point. So that <laughs> makes me just right to work at Nextdoor with all the other millennials. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. And Musa, how about you, my friend? <laughs> Morning, everyone. Uh, I, I think I've had 31 jobs, Miriam, so I might be. <laughs> uh, but... Um, Good morning, everyone, and good afternoon if you're on the East Coast. My name is Musa. I am the, the CMO of GoFundMe. Um, I've been at GoFundMe for about a year and a half now, uh, and wow. it's been an incredible time there. Um, learned a lot, um, but at the same time, kind of faced and dealt with a lot at the same time, given, given the situation in the world today. Um, prior to that, I've worked at lots of big organizations like um, Apple, Nike, Burberry, and most recently, Airbnb. Uh, I'm a father of uh, a wonderful son who I just dropped to school this morning, um, and very excited to be here, and a big fan of both Miriam and Nadine, so excited for this conversation. Yeah, thank you, and I'm a big fan of both of you as well. You know, some fun facts, Miriam, you are a prolific writer as well. Um, you've penned many of a solid article. So if anybody wants more goodness from you, they can look you up online and find lots of great articles. Uh, so thanks for, for sharing a lot. You've been a, a very strong leader, especially around purpose-driven brands. So uh, thank you for that. And Musa, you have provided so much guidance to so many so many professionals in the industry, especially those who are what we call emerging leaders, um, you know, mentoring thousands of people every day. So thank you for all that you've done. Um, I'm so appreciative you both could join us here. You both represent really important brands in community today. 
Um, and I was thinking about this, you know, what's interesting is unlike traditional brands who are marketing their brand to a consumer, you're actually marketing to enable communities to come together on their own terms. So you are marketing your brand, but it's not the it's not quite the same. Do you guys want to talk a little bit how you think about marketing? Um, and maybe Mariam, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's an interesting paradigm. You know, um, I'm not selling a hotel room, which I've done in the past, or even a TV show. What we're selling at Nextdoor is really the ability to connect with your neighbors, right? And by neighbors, I mean Nathaniel and Troy, who live down the street from me, but Stefan, who runs the French bakery, or the ENT, um, you know, who came to our rescue in the middle of COVID. So that entire ecosystem. And our strategy is really about active valued community and sort of unlocking that. And that means that we're an enabler, right? We're not the end destination. I think one of the things that's different about Nextdoor than some of the other social platforms is that we're a neighborhood network that wants you to use technology, but to actually then connect in real life, right? And so when we do campaigns of any kind, we're always featuring our neighbors because they're really the hero versus a product, right? Which might've been something that we would have focused on in the past. Yeah, great. Thanks for that, Musa, how about you? Yeah, well, very similar um, to, to Miriam and Nextdoor. Um, the slight difference with GoFundMe is that in most instances, it tends to be people who already know each other. And it's just an easier way to connect with those individuals. So for example, as you imagine, people come onto the platform when they both have a need, right? A crisis or emergency, or want to fulfill a dream, um, you know, someone celebrating a birthday and wanting to fundraise, or I want to set up a community garden. And, and what they do is they use the platform to speak to their existing community. And they, it's an easy way of accessing the community. GoFundMe is now such a synonymous noun in that people understand what it means when you set up a GoFundMe. Um, and really our challenge actually is very similar to Miriam's is we're not selling a, an object. Um, what I'm trying to do is get people more comfortable with asking for help. So um, there are, um, scientifically proven that there are chemicals that are released in your body um, that are similar to being punched in the face when you ask for help. That's how difficult most people find it. Mm. Yet the truth of the matter is, is most people are twice as likely to want to help you than you think they are. And, you know, people actually appreciate being asked for help. So imagine I was sitting here with both of you and I asked Miriam for help and not you, Nadine, you'd feel left out. You'd be like, well, why isn't he asking me for help? Um, mm. And instead of the, the truth of that is also if I did ask you both for help and you helped, you would feel really good about it. Um, and so ultimately at GoFundMe, what we're trying to do is make it easier for people to ask for help so that when they do, people can step up to help them. Um, and actually everyone feels really good about it. The, the challenge is, is that it's just very difficult to ask for help. And so when I think about marketing and marketing to communities, what I'm trying to do is get people to feel comfortable asking for help then going out to their community and asking them to help. And actually greater connection happens as a result, right? When you help someone and they help you back, you've already built a stronger relationship as a result. And so it's really interesting trying to change uh, people's behavior, very similar to how once upon a time Uber made it, you know, had to make you feel comfortable with getting in a car with a stranger or uh, Airbnb made you comfortable staying with a in a stranger's house. What I'm trying to do is get people to feel more comfortable asking for help. Amazing. And <clears throat> boy, it's been a, a difficult, challenging 
few weeks, few months, um, and in particular last week was was challenging. I know, Lucy, you were spending a lot of time on enabling those communities to get help. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your efforts over the past week? Yeah, um, I mean, to be brutally honest, when I joined GoFundMe, I joined a, an incredible team of individuals. GoFundMe is not a very big organization. It was about 300 of us. Um, and when I joined, we were already already halfway through the pandemic. And, and this team had kind of worked incredibly hard um, to enable people who were really in need to kind of raise the money they needed to, to survive, in essence. Um, and, you know, since I've been here, you, you know, you've seen the number of mass shootings that happen across North America and with the tragic incident that happened last, last week um, in Texas, you know, the team works really hard to make sure that this is a safe place for people to both ask for help, right? And so when you're going through tragedy, um, very quickly do you realize that actually costs of memorials and funerals actually creep up very quickly uh, and people actually wanna help. And so it's our job to make sure that those people who need help can come onto the platform. It's easy for them to do so. And then therefore the people who want to help can come to our platform and trust us. So what we now do is we set up for, you know, any crisis, um, any natural disaster, we set up a hub which has verified fundraisers on it. Um, and the team are working so hard in the background to make sure that the right fundraisers are the ones that are shown, that the right fundraisers and are very clear on where that money is going to, because that's really important for us, trust, right? Like when you, when you think about how it's, you think about the challenge of getting people to feel comfortable asking for help. One of the things is that we have to build trust with them. Um, and so we create, we created a, a hub um, that had verified fundraisers on it. So people could come to that page and make sure they helped. And, you know, I get, I also get, always get asked this question um, on, you know, what is it that surprises me about my job? And Nadine, I can't tell you that, that, that while incredible tragedy happens and, I, and we see that and the teams have to live through that on a day-to-day -day basis, the most remarkable thing is how people come onto the platform to help others. So for that one incident, for example, we, I, 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 and I, please don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure, I think people from 90 different countries around the world um, have donated uh, to the families who, who lost a loved one or who have people who are injured in that incident. Um, and it's just remarkable, you know, it's, it's, it's the silver lining behind that that I think is really beautiful is that when something bad does happen, the amount of people that come to the platform to be able to say, hey, I wanna help uh, is really remarkable. And so it's been a really uh, tough week for the team. The team know how to do this. They've done it, unfortunately, too many times already. Um, but you know we want to be a, a safe trusted platform where you can come and ask for help and then give help uh, and so that involves a lot of work um but you know thankfully we are getting some incredibly uh important money out to the right people at the time when they need it the most yeah and thank you for that um everyone appreciates uh the platform and your efforts and and Miriam, because next door is so central and a hub of conversation as well what are you seeing and hearing uh through your platform well sim similar to musa i started this job three weeks before the pandemic so um i was remarkable in february of 20 to see the number of people who are offering to help each other so like musa is saying we had an incredible uptick in traffic but what you saw is that instances in that very first month of people offering to help each other was up 80 percent 
I mean, that's a remarkable statistic, right? And I think he's very, I mean, he's correct. It's much easier to offer help than to um, ask for help. And what we did initially in the middle of the pandemic was we had a map that was on the site, which was really designed for trick-or-treating. And we converted that into a help map so that you could pin yourself on the map so that you could figure out, you know, because you were going out surgically, how far somebody was who needed help or how far um, the person who was offering to help you was, right? And so you just saw this incredible generosity that showed up, which, you know, is really the thing that always gives me hope in the middle of what has frankly been a very tough two and a half years, not even just a few months, right? Mm -hmm. And um, in my time here, I would say, I see, you know, I live in New York City and people think, oh, New Yorkers are unfriendly. I mean, and the minute, let me tell you, if there's a crisis, you want a New Yorker to be right there with you because they come to your aid. And I remember um, about a year in, a neighbor posted that she wanted to go to visit her father's cemetery in Staten Island with her 90-year-old um, mother. And she didn't want to take public transportation. She offered to pay gas. Would somebody be willing to drive her out there? And 30 strangers, 30 neighbors said, I'll take you. And um, she ended up you know, connecting with one of them. They drove out there. When they came back, she actually had a very sweet birthday party for her mom in the park near her mom's house in Tribeca. And I walked down there because I just wanted to see like, who were these people? How, what made her decide to ask strangers to come to help her? And um, it was remarkable. I mean, her mom had been a Holocaust survivor. They'd lived in Tribeca for a long time. They had actually um, picked a woman and her fiance to drive them out to um, Staten Island to the cemetery where they also spread her brother's ashes. I mean, it was just the most remarkable thing. And these strangers became friends, right? And I think that's what you see is that, you know, I say out of um, despair comes purpose. And that is definitely something that we have also experienced in what has been a pretty remarkably difficult two and a half years. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's what keeps us going, Musa and I, and, and the teams, frankly. Yeah. Well, and didn't you just recently find a really unique way to reward those valuable community members? You want to talk about your recent campaign? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Around Christmas time, we, we get a full week off where the whole company shut down. So I had a time I was, you know, reading just a ton of things. And I remember there was yet another one of these lists of powerful people. And I remember thinking, because it had been the Grammys or, you know, a lot of the award shows. And I thought, like, we really need to celebrate real people, right? The real heroes who've been there, whose names we don't know, right? Oftentimes, when you look at the list of celebrities, they're all people you know. And no knock against them. We obviously need that, too. But there was just a sense that like we should really recognize everyday heroes. And that's not just the essential workers, but frankly, the people who came to your aid in the middle of the pandemic. And so we started an inaugural Next Door 100, where we actually went out to the community and said, you know, nominate some super amazing neighbor who was there for you when you didn't think you even needed it. And people started posting. We got 46,000 submissions, right, in a very short amount of time. And by the way, there was no prize. So this was literally somebody who wanted to say, you know, I, I want to recognize Musa for being there for me. And it varied from, you know, somebody who was mowing the lawn when you didn't think you needed it or bringing you medicine when you were sick to um, a neighborhood in Atlanta where they would actually get together and have porches and pies or, um, you know, Junior's Bagel in Queens where one of their local customers who was older and wasn't getting to them in the middle of the pandemic, they would actually deliver breakfast to her every day. I mean, there are these incredible nuggets of kindness that people wanted to let others know about. And so um, we actually just announced the 100 winners. If you're ever having a low day, just go to Nextdoor 100 and read these submissions because 
they really are all over the country and they're remarkable in terms of just the kind of generosity that most people don't see, right? Because they're not necessarily the headlines. Yeah. <clears throat> it is. Yes. Just, just to build on that, uh, what I, we, we see the same thing. I think what is remarkable about GoFundMe is we see the, the transition of what is happening in community and society being reflected. So for example, last year, one of our fastest growing categories was weddings. Um, this year, two of our fastest growing categories are both community and volunteering. And so we're seeing people fundraise for things in their communities. And to Miriam's point, like people's desire to be able to want to help in their communities is, is, is completely on the rise, which I think I just, I just love because it's, I think we've all recognized that we can't solve big problems, um, right? Like if something's happening around the world, we can't solve it, but we can actually solve and take that problem and solve it at a local level, right? So if, for example, you've got um, uh, the pandemic being a big problem. I can't solve COVID in my local community, but I know actually local restaurants are really suffering. And therefore what I can do is set up fundraisers to sort of support those local restaurants. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I, again, seeing that reflected as well in our, in our, on our sites and it's actually really hopeful. And I wish that like, I love that Miriam's doing this because actually we need to get more good news stories out there because there are actually far more good news stories than there are negative in my opinion. They just don't get out there enough. Yeah. So what what are a couple of your favorite good news stories, Musa? Oh, that is a good question. I mean, there's we we also have um, we have a similar initiative called um, GoFundMe Heroes, where um, every two weeks we actually we used to have it monthly, but we realized that there were so many incredible people on the platform that we actually made it uh, every two weeks, where we basically talk about incredible people on the platform who are. Um, you know, doing amazing things for their communities. I'm actually just going to, going to the website now. Um, and we feature a number of different people. So, I mean, some of my favorites, is, as, as, as you know, is last for my last birthday, I, I decided that it was time for me to set up a fundraiser. And so what I did was for, instead of gifts, and I haven't had a birthday in forever, I'm actually not a big fan of my birthday, but I basically set up a fundraiser to help a local after-school program in Detroit um, and actually was inspired by a guy called Kai, Kai Martin, who basically for 10 years in a row. And so Kai is, I, I want to say Kai's like 14, 15 years old, but for like 10 years in his, uh, for his 10 years in his life, he's basically donated every single penny that he's, instead of having birthday, instead of having birthday, he's used his birthday to raise money um, for a cause that matters to him um, to do with cancer. And I just, I just inspired by, by people like that who are going, right, I'm going to use this moment for good. Kenny is, uh, was a, a TikTok star, an old veteran who basically um, needed a new scooter. And so a friend of his basically set up uh, a fundraiser for his new scooter. But TikTok obviously incredibly went viral. Uh, Kenny is the most lovable guy. He's known as Patri Patriotic Kenny. Um, did so well that he raised so much money that he started using that money to basically help other veterans uh, get electric scooters too. And so there's just a, a number of different examples, Alex and Chloe, who basically went off and helped um, with what they call food apartheid, right? Communities that don't have healthy food. And so they raise money to start fundraisers for local food gardens. Um, and what they do is they take that food and support it and support people. So it, it is, you know, I love that you've got Miriam and me here together because the, these, these like, these characters are real people, 
that's the that's the that's the favorite part of I think our jobs, both me and Miriam, and we know we know this is like these these are not characters that we're making up. These are inspirational people that are the people that we you know walk past on the street and people who live next door to us or go to Trader Joe's with us. Um, they're, they're people who are doing amazing jobs. And by the way, some of them have full-time jobs. It's not like they're committed to doing this, but it's both those small acts of kindness and big acts of kindness that we see every day. Uh, and I think it's, it's why we both love our jobs uh, equally okay. as much. because we see. You them. know, if I can build on that, because we actually did a trend report and one of the trends that you see as you look out is really this idea of kindness rising. Right. And that's what you're basically describing. The other thing that you're seeing is people are moving, um, you know, whether from a city to a rural area or a suburb or vice versa. Right. We're also seeing like reverse migration back into New York. But what you're seeing is that as people move and they go to new communities, they're actually bringing their creativity and their innovation with them and actually reimagining things and participating. I think that's the difference. Right. I would say, you know, I've lived in Chelsea for um you know, 21 years, except for my four years at um, Hyatt when I was in Chicago and, and in the middle of the pandemic, I was here. And I remember one of my neighbors who, you know, has been my neighbor for a very long time said to me, this is the longest conversation we've ever had because normally I was running to the subway or to LaGuardia, right? And so this idea of being in place and exactly what Musa talked about, this sense of like, I can't solve the world's problem, but can I solve the one that's right in front of me? I think you're beginning to see that, right? And whether that means people are beginning businesses as a way to help their communities or funding businesses in their nearby communities, or like we did here in New York, where we pulled together and said, okay, well, how can we help New York in the middle of the pandemic and basically started this organization that did pop-ups and then did that Billy Joel um, music video, all because there was this incredible sense of purpose and passion. And the thing I remember when we were doing all that work, which was you know everybody's side hustle, was somebody said to me, and I think it was Jennifer Reingold, she said, out of um, despair comes purpose. Because even though those were very difficult days, when we would do our weekly Zoom call, there was this moment of joy of like being together to solve something that wasn't about us. Like it just brings you out of yourself and gives you something that's bigger than you and something that you felt like you could solve, right? Unlike, you know, I, I don't know that I can solve uh, global warming tomorrow, but you know, I could I could help get you know Elio to perform on the corner and bring some energy to the local restaurants at the same time. I love that, and you know, I have so many questions for you guys, and we only have about seven minutes left. I knew this was going to go by fast. Um, just a friendly reminder for uh, folks in the audience: if you have questions for Mario Marmusa, just pop them in the Q and A window, and we'll try to get to a couple of them. Uh, but I have a couple more. I'm going to keep rolling. Um, so as we think about, and I love this notion of kindness rising, and you know that's that's quite the the motto for all of us to live by. Um, but let's come back to how you actually are able to enable all this kindness rising, and and that's really through your teams and the people that you employ. And to your point, Aaron, they may not be living right next to the company headquarters anymore. You know, how do you think about talent teams and community on your teams? And I think Musa, you said it best. It's important to create community, not just externally, but internally. Tell us what that means to you and, and how you think about your teams today. Yeah, I mean, so like many companies, GoFundMe has gone remote. We have people all over the country now. Um, and I, and, I, and I, I believe this in that, you know, one of the reasons that most of us came to work at once upon a time was the culture in, in, our, in our companies, right? The, the fact that we could come in and hang out, particularly for younger people in the organization, right? Like, I remember when I first started my job for the first 10 years, you know, 
the people I went to work with and saw every day with the people that I would hang out with after work as well. And I, and I think we, particularly as senior people, need to remember that, right? We need to remember how fun it was to come to work and, and to hang around with people our age and, 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 and with similar interests, right? It's the first time that like you've gone from university where you're kind of forced together to actually choose who you want to hang out with. And so with the fact that we've just kind of now we're everywhere, I really believe that community is one of the most important things that we have to build within our own organization. So yes, we want to build community with our customers, but how do I make sure that my teams feel like they're part of a group of people who are um, solving something? And so purpose, I think, you know, this is no secret at all, right? Being in a company with clear purpose, I think matters, right? So people know that they're coming to work now, not for the fancy offices or the free lunch or the free breakfast, um, but they're coming because they are, they're working towards a greater good. And I think Miriam can attest to this, right? We're getting, in the amount of talent that is now applying to work at GoFundMe is incredible. Like it blows my mind. People in massive, amazing organizations saying, you know what, like, it was cool working in that company, but I, I want to work in a company that has purpose, right? And so purpose, I think, is the first thing that brings people together. And that's ultimately what I think drives the community. The second thing is, is enabling those people to come together um, and making sure that they know that they can connect. And I've, I've said this to kind of every single person on my team. If you're sitting there in, 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 in your in your um, house or bedroom or work in a WeWork, wherever you are, and you're the only person in Miami and you're feeling a bit lonely, then just raise your hand and get on a plane and come to LA or come to San Diego or come to San Francisco where we have bigger offices uh, and make sure that you can feel connected to people as well as making sure that we are now looking at days where the groups and the company can come together or the different departments can come together um, so that we remember that we're one person. And secondly is we have Zooms uh, on a regular basis, which are just not to talk about work, but to talk about what's happening in our lives. And we, we do this thing, Miriam, and you should steal it. It's the highlight of my week uh, <laughs> where we do good news, where we literally just have 15 minutes of an hour, an hour weekly meeting as a, as a, a team where we just share good news that's happening in our life. And it could be the fact that you guys had amazing pancakes this morning or that, you know, someone's pregnant or someone's getting married. Right. So the, the, the gamut is massive, but it's just it just feels good. Uh, to be connected and not talking about work and the few times I have gone into the office now um, it's those moments that I cherish the most versus just getting on a zoom talking about work and then jumping off again um, and so yeah I, I'm, I'm excited to make sure that we're thinking about community internally just as well as we are externally. Thank you. Mariam how about you? Yeah I mean we've been doing traffic weeks right to actually get people to come in at the same time. I think the disconnection that we're feeling um, in life and frankly at work is a real thing and you're seeing it in the mental health numbers right and I think that finding ways to bring people together not for really just Schwartz first one of the things we've been doing is we've been partnering with the Tim McGraw concert which required our teams we did 20 activations so that was a lot of activations in a short period of time that required the teams to to go and actually work together right like in the old days of like production where you're on staff it's almost like you're a roadie those are incredibly bonding experiences. And after the first one, I remember one of my colleagues said to me, oh, I, I, I feel so much more connected to my colleagues because even when you come in for a traffic day, it's not the same thing as like when you're in the trenches together. And honestly, the thing I worry about the most is not, you know, Musa, you and me, because we obviously have networks and we've been at it for a while. And even I, you know, obviously feel the disconnection, but what I worry about is the younger um, 
cohorts, right? Because so much of what I learned in my early jobs was by osmosis, by being in the room when the conversations were happening. And particularly with creative roles where you actually need energy and you need to move the pieces of paper around the wall, right? That's not something, I mean, there's a lot of tools, but it's not a replica for what can happen when you're together. So I think, you know, it's unlikely that we're going to go back to five day in the office anytime in the near future. But I think you have to be actively thinking about how you check in on people, how you give them room to manage the complexity of their lives now, because you don't know what else they're managing, but also find a way to bring them together in person in real life matters. Yeah, absolutely. And we are, unfortunately, we are now uh, right up at the end of our segment, but I want to get some final thoughts for you, uh, from you before we go. Um, Marion, let's continue on that past. As you think about in the future, any final thoughts or tips for folks that are tuning in today who are marketers or creatives and what they should be thinking about as it relates to future of community, whether it's inside or external? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big believer in purpose, right? I've been doing purpose work for over 20 years. And I think what purpose gives you is a wider aperture than a goal. So think about your life, your job, your family, right? Like your life with a wider aperture, because it will allow you to see things that come your way that if you're narrow casting, it sounds like a good idea, but you miss things that, you know, the serendipity is lost. And so I would say to you, find your purpose, not just as an organization, but also as an individual. Thank you. Musa, how about you? I can't, I can't beat that. That was beautifully put and I, and I can't attest. And, and just the other thing is, is to encourage like talking about the good stuff uh, just as much as the bad stuff. If anything, we should be talking much more about the good stuff um, than we are the bad stuff and encourage anyone who has you know worked in a brand or has the power to do that and has a platform to do that, to talk about the kindness that exists in the world because there's plenty of it. Um, and, and, and if more people knew about it, it's contagious, right? And so that is the most incredible thing about kindness is it's contagious. And so if you can go out there and show people that you're being kind or, or we can elevate the kindness that's happening in the world, it will only encourage more people to do so. Uh, and that sounds like a wonderful world, in my opinion. I love that. So many good things to remember coming out today. So speaking of goodness, this is all good. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Kindness Rising. It's contagious. Let's all go have a wonderful rest of this week. Uh, thank you for joining me. Thank, thank you for everyone. having us. Visionaries is brought to you in partnership with The Wall Street Journal and made possible by our parent company, 24-7. To find out more about the Marketers That Matter community, visit marketersthatmatter.com. And finally, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please leave us a rating or review and let us know what you think.